your progression as a creative and the issues that you're tackling now with tonal and whatnot, I think is very, are very interesting. Obviously we were in Hong Kong when this all happened. It was like, this makes a lot of sense to us, <laughs> you know, it's like we true. never, we almost like, as though it's one of those light bulb moments like, oh, you know what? Like we've never really encountered this as a problem. And it's also interesting because in Asia, like in Japan or whatnot, they've always been okay utilized foreign models and they've never really had to worry about using Asian models. Like, and that was never really an issue. It's just the way the positioning of culture has been. But then like good amount of us in the office are like born and raised in the U.S. The US or, is, yeah, or Canada, whatnot. So yeah. we kind of recognize that need. And obviously we're very cognizant of where things are Good. currently. From his teenage years all the way up until adulthood, Joshua Kissy has become a remarkable personality at the intersection of creative culture. While photography served as his vehicle for expression, it led him down a path of awareness and deeper societal commentary. If you ask around the black and creative community, people are undoubtedly familiar with his work. But furthermore, they're incredibly passionate about their respect for him. As a photographer first and foremost, Joshua took the opportunity to open many new doors on his own. His original foray into the creative world started with Street Etiquette, whom he founded with Travis Gums. Together, the two formed a strong partnership that led them down a path of creative work with some of the world's most respected brands, such as Adidas, Nike, the US Open, and more. Street Etiquette became an important part of Joshua's identity as it provided a platform for creative expression. The byproduct of it all is an influential force in the realm of black fashion and black creative culture. Since speaking to Joshua, he was named one of Fast Company's 2018 most creative people in business. My name is Joshua Kissy. I'm co-founder of Tonal, Street Etiquette. And I'm just a creative person. I'm a creative wanderer, I guess. <laughs> There's an underlying kindness, genuine excitement, and passion that comes with each word. Street etiquette started perhaps with simpler beginnings, with a focus on something a lot of us are into when we're younger, fashion and clothes. I'm not saying it's the case for everybody, but there's often a tipping point. It's when the clothes and the fashion matter a lot less and adult things come into the picture. I'm not sure it was necessarily a switch that came on for Joshua, but there's a very definitive voice within the black creative community that he has assumed. It's not a binary voice, but one of inclusion that led him to start and contribute to the overall narrative of equality. Tonal is all that represents this new part within his journey, a stock photography platform that's pushing the boundaries of what it means to represent people of all walks of life. But as is the case with many people that grew up in the digital era, the starting line is about the community they found online. I feel like overnight, I kind of, not switched industries, but it, it like opened up a little bit. Like, although like Stratic is based in fashion and style, as soon as launched Tono, it was more like a startup. I was like, what? I've never, nobody even said a startup. Nobody even mentioned that, but immediately like we're in this like startup tech market now, yeah, yeah. Um, which was really, really interesting because that wasn't planned or anything, but it, it opened up the doors to different type of market. And for me, it was a learning curve because within the fashion and style market, I felt like I knew most of the information yeah. and I understood the culture, but stepping back and looking at startup culture or technology culture, or even looking deeper into like diversity and inclusion markets and what yeah. that looks like, books, texts, articles, think yeah. pieces, like just trying to like feel like I know enough to speak on it, yeah. even though like my whole existence has been that yeah. in a lot of ways. So yeah, it was, it was super interesting. In many ways, some people have seen you kind of grow up on the internet. Yes. You know, like I was thinking about that when I was like kind of, <laughs> You know, I don't know when you started posting on like the forums and whatnot, yeah. but obviously uh, that was 15. A, yeah. You know what I mean? Like people have seen you kind of grow up on the internet. Yeah. Uh, how old are you now? And now I'm 28. 28. Yeah. So that's almost like virtually almost half of your life has been spent in front wow. of people on the internet, right? That's I don't true. know if you ever thought wow. of it that Damn, way. but I never thought of that. That's but like, so true. How would you sort of define your pathway as a creative starting from the age of 15 to where you are now? Well, I think on the forums, I think, um, whether it's ISS or Super Future or Hypebeast, I think it really just, it provided a community that I needed at the time. Even though I'm in New York and it's, there's a whole bunch of things happening, the forums were the was the backdrop of the culture that we were kind of subscribing to in, in a lot of ways and taking pictures of yourself. I mean, I remember Phil, like Philip Anand, I remember yeah. from Madbury Award Tour. Phil Anand came up right around the same time as Joshua. 
And they were part of a group of other kids who found network and strength in the online creative community. Phil would be the catalyst behind the award tour, a movement that continues to be an inspiration to creatives through its tongue-in-cheek vibes and DIY attitude. Like, I remember a lot of his first posts, like, on the What Did You Wear Today thread that kind of inspired me to be like, okay, I'm going to go to camera. I'm going to take a photo of what I'm wearing every day. Um, it seems super bizarre, but, like, this is what people do on Instagram every day now. Like, yeah. it's, it's some people's whole business model now, like, whether influencer or whatever the case is, style guy. But literally, back on the forums, it was just everyday culture. And we yeah. built, like, trust with each other. We kind of grew up with each other, even though never met these people. Yeah. But um, it's not until started doing, like, meetups. That's when it started turning into a whole different thing, because I was meeting kids from, like, Queens, Staten Island, Brooklyn, yeah. just all over. Yeah, what was it like? being in what was what's arguably one of kind of the style meccas like streetwear meccas of the world but still needing the internet like was there sort of like a disconnection between what was in the real world i think so because like in the bronx like i wasn't seeing the type of streetwear that i do today because of like now it's like a mega market and i see supreme all over and see palace all over but Back when we first started, like, posting, like, there was none of that. Like, so you were kind of anomaly walking around, so you didn't feel as connected. Even though, like, urban culture, yes, is a backdrop to, like, a lot of streetwear stuff, it, it wasn't it wasn't as direct as it is today in music or in the NBA. You could see somebody wearing Supreme or in a music video or anything like that. Like, it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. So the, the forums was, like, the education about the culture. Yeah. Um, so it brought, like, a little bit of more, like, academic just studious vibe to it where it's like oh if you don't know about this you can't talk on this it was like yeah. very like everybody was geeking out and nerding yeah. out around streetwear culture yeah. and brands and and architecture it just kept going more and more yeah. out so how did you parlay sort of that initial passion and interest in fashion into like a career of sorts that's a good question i think well street etiquette was the main driving force like me and travis already knew each other going to the same school um I was like, yo, come on, hype these forums. And like, he came on and he posted too. Um, but I just had like this traction of people that follow me from the forums. I'm pretty sure from, from the forums all the way now to like tonal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is scary to think about. But some people, like you've said, see me grow up and mature as, as a young man, as an adult, yeah. all the way to now. Um, but again, I think understanding culture, understanding like creativity and community, like street etiquette was the first, one of the first posts on Street Etiquette was a meetup from Hypebeast Forums. Like, that's one of the first posts. So it was all about community when we first started. Then we saw, like, you know, instead of posting what did you wear today on forums, let's post it on our own site yeah. and talk about, we went a little bit more deeper into, like, clothing and fashion and all that good stuff. And eventually brands were like, well, we want that. Like, yeah. and it was, it was hard to, like, price that because we were doing it out of a hobby out of fun and after a while it's like well we want to put a price to like what you're doing and i think that was just one of the tough like business transitions of yeah. what we're because we're just kids you know yeah, yeah yeah what do you think were some of your biggest learnings from like starting street etiquette biggest learning element of street etiquette is the fact that it was kind of like a wheelhouse it was kind of like a factory where we could wake up the next day and like let's do this let's try this so in in a way like me and travis and a lot of the people we worked with we had the opportunity to try so many different things on our own dime, like without answering to anybody, like whether it's like ideas or editorials or music or like we just did so much. So it was like the perfect playground to have before you go into like more serious stuff. Like eventually, the, yes, we started working with Nike and Adidas and US Open and Starbucks, all these clients after a while. But the first four or five years was like all fun. All yeah. fun. Then it became all business, which is a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how would you describe street etiquette now? At a certain point during the highest level of the Instagram age, I think we wanted to remove ourselves from like just being like influencer talent. And um, so that's where we we're kind of like, you know what, let's step back. And like street etiquette already has done what it's done, like the impact of it. I don't think we need to like chase likes, followers or yeah. any social media metrics. And, and it's, so it's just one of those things where it's like, let's step back and Travis starting Maroon World and me doing Tonal and like you can follow our personal. I just feel like it gave us more life to like not be, feel like we're being stuck in this thing yeah. that you necessarily went to and went into as a hobby and something you liked and now it's a business. So you try to like retain some of your fulfillment and what you want to do, yeah. and as well as like the client obligations.
you know, you've had this, this success under your belt with street etiquette and then tonal kind of pops up. Like how would you describe tonal for people that aren't familiar? Oh man. So tonal, well, and at least in like putting this, on the spot, you know, yeah, the whole no, no. startup, <laughs> like what are we in 30 seconds? I know. Or I'm like, damn, let me give you the elevator pitch. Yeah. No, but tonal is a premier diverse stock photography company. Um, well, we say culturally diverse stock photography company. And most people are like, huh? Like stock photography, especially people that has been following me for a long time. They're just like, okay. Like, cause 90% of the people that even follow us don't even use stock photography. Yeah. It's just more so they're passionate or really believe in the idea that we're going with, which is yeah. Diversity lose to, uh, innovation. Diversity needs to be present, not just in the workplace, but in your life. Like, really taking on that idea of what diversity means today, I think more people get that than the fact that like stock photography, like they're not knowing that that's like billboards, your press and media in your magazines, the emails you get, like imagery is everywhere, yeah. um, even on Instagram. So it's like people, I think people are just, they're not really up to terms with what stock photography means in yeah. 2018, yeah. but it's literally all around us, you know? So I think the biggest thing we have to do is educate people on what stock photography is and why it needs to change. Yeah. But a lot of people are literally just like, oh my God, this needed to happen for so long. Like yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that there's not a company that's like doing this already when we yeah. came out. And there's a couple few companies that was doing it, but uh, at least like on a certain level where it's like the design is great, the photos, the product, the service. Um, and that's something we wanted to start and stand by rather. We, that's something we really want to stand by. And I think it was interesting because like being in a fashion like, like I was saying earlier, I think, I don't even know, but it's, I kind of switched like markets or careers once or evolved once I released Tonal with Karen, Karen Oconquo, who's yeah. amazing, who's a partner and co-founder. Yeah, I wish she was here too. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Right now she's in the Bahamas, so she's enjoying her life as yeah. her birthday coming up, her 30th birthday tomorrow. Nice. So yeah, but I think, but to bring it all the way back, I think street etiquette and even the forum culture had to do all about visibility. So coming to Tonal is just like more visibility in a sense. Street etiquette, that was all about like, we're here, we're black men. This is how we're living life. This is, we're documenting our day-to-day -day lives and things like that. Traveling, getting people to be inspired, um, getting people of color to be inspired. But Tonal is all about, well, street etiquette is about having, like our main product was culture. And, and ideas. And that's really hard to sell sometimes because there's not a direct like, well, this is it all the time. But with Tonal, the product is photos. And being a photographer is one of those things where it's like, first off, I never wanted to be in stock photography. So even when Karen, she kind of gave me the idea, like, you should yeah. do this. And I was like, no, you should yeah. do this. Like, Maybe you can explain a little bit of your guys' relationship. Like, oh, yeah. how did this whole thing come about? Yeah. So Karen is one of the best friends of my fiance, Mechthis Mercer. And I met her in Seattle. And she pretty much was a friend the whole time. And she asked Mech this, like, do you think I could hit Josh with this idea? I think it would be great for him, like, considering the subjects he's shooting and what he's known for as a creative. And so she pretty much came with me with the idea, like, hey, you should do this thing. Like, this is a big gap in the market. And I was like, that's cool, but I don't want to do this. So maybe you do it. You know what I mean? So I just kind of gave it back to her in that sense, which is crazy. Yeah. But between you two, what's like the exact role? Division? Exact role. Yeah, We're like both co-founders. Yeah. Um, Karen heads up like media, marketing, and some client relationships. I do creative, photo, and we kind of share marketing in a sense yeah. as well. But we, but right now, like we have a small team, but you kind of have to like wipe the floors as well as yeah, like yeah. doing, you have to do everything in the gym in a sense. For creatives and entrepreneurs, what is the value of diverse stock photography? Like, for example, does it change, like, if they're making a deck, how does that change what oh, they're yeah. doing? Like, all, I think that's the interesting thing is, like, overnight, now that this exists and it's at a such high level, like, what what doors are being opened because of this product? Yeah. Wow, that's true. I mean, there are advertising agencies, like McCann to Widen to, like, people that use the platform or have been curious about it or have inquired or, like... It's like, okay, this is amazing. I want to bring you guys in to talk about this on one of our all hands meetings or whatever the case is. So even from an advertising perspective, or if you're a creative or entrepreneur, it gives you it gives you the opportunity to depict some truth and like some life. Unless you're a photographer, like if you're an entrepreneur that also shoots or you have ill homies who could shoot exactly what you want to see and what you want to depict, I think Tonal kind of gives 
life to like a lot of these lifeless decks and, and media decks that they have floating around like these, you know, long, like 20 page PDFs of just like, oh man, you look at the images sometimes it's just like, wow, like they couldn't get a better image. Like, you know, sometimes there's like tokenism in the images and there's like, there's so much that goes into it. Even people's stereotypes and like what they perceive as reality plays into the images that they would put. So like, I guess, I guess this gives people more truth, like when it comes to photos. And even if you look at that whole Nike project, I'll speak into Neuron, you know, Neuron, yeah, you know Neuron? Yeah, I'll speak into him about that because there was a Nike, the Londoner yeah. ad that was sick, amazing, but people were complaining about it because it was, it was so polarizing. It was just like black and white people. They made London feel like there were no Asian, there's no like Southeast Asian, there was no, there was no, it was just so, and I was like, damn, like, at the end of the day, they were trying to make money off like urbanism in black culture, grime only. I don't think they were trying to represent the whole city, but it goes to show people felt really, really bad that like we're, we're in London too. Like how come we're not included in this and yeah. we're a big consumer of the swoosh and Nike and all that good stuff. So yeah it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. It shows that there's still a lot to be done even on a high level like Nike. What does success at Tonal look like for you? I, I think, I mean, there needs to be like a Tonal Brazil, Tonal Cuba, Tonal South Africa. I mean, I think it just needs to be on the highest level possible when it comes to like images of diverse people. Like whatever the standard is that hasn't been set as of yet, we want to set that and empower other people to feel like they're here and they exist and they're heard and they're touched and, and like they're real in a lot of ways because everybody yeah. doesn't have that same sense of humanity. Yeah. It does feel as though it has all the makings of being multiple verticals. Like it's a magazine, yeah. you know, it's like Yeah, that's true. There's so, there's so many, I mean- Opportunities. Abs- yeah. yeah, we're going with this whole tonal live element as well. There's, there's so much where it's like we come to, whether it's festivals or conferences and we take portraits of people, curated beautifully, all that good stuff. Because we see, you know, Gettys at every live event and they have those, like those images are important to pop culture, to media, like they're going to be referenced to. So if we're just only doing images that are, you know, great people's stories, that's amazing. But we also have to be in places, in public spaces where it's like social commentary going on, pop culture, festivals, music, people living life as they should be. So yeah, I also think there's that that we want to delve into. But yeah, Tonal's going to get as big as it as it needs to get big, yeah. you know, and I think it's... it's is daunting, but as well as just very challenging and insp- inspiring to like even have that as a platform yeah. to like to fully execute with Karen. Yeah, yeah, like knowing that there's a Getty Images, there's all these other stock photography sort of um, institutions out there. How similar, or different is the tonal path going to be? Like, how much of that are you pulling from? their sort of like playbook versus you writing your own? I think it's a combination. I think that's the easiest part. With Street Etiquette, there was no playbook. There was no blueprint. There was none of that. But with Tonal, it was just like, okay, we see what they're doing. This is an obvious business model. How could we improve on that? Um, how can we take that and take it to the next level um, in a lot of ways? And this, for us, it's just being nimble, being flexible, being fluid in all situations. And it gives us... It gives us our own lane and space instead of feeling like we're competing with them. Like we may be able to partner up on some stuff. Who knows? We may be like, we just want to be as flexible and nimble as possible because that's that's the benefit of being able to capture what yeah, we're capturing. Startup. Before Tonal started, did you feel as though there was something kind of bubbling up inside? And then this was sort of the catalyst. This idea got put in front of you. Yeah, I think I was really trying to figure out what would be the next steps outside of street etiquette, outside of fashion. I was like, I was just like, there has to be more. I mean, especially like everything that was happening in media, like, you know, Philando Castro, Alton Sterling, these gentlemen who were murdered by the police. This, I mean, you just feel helpless. You know what I mean? You feel like, well, if, you know, if I'm blessed to have this gift of creativity or, or platform, photography yeah. or platform, like how do I use that in a way to like combat a lot of those like, unfortunate yeah. like just thoughts ideas structures like structural racism in a lot of ways so tonal was like the the perfect catalyst for that 
And it didn't happen just like overnight, but it's it's something I've been thinking about. Like, okay, like what direction? Something had to come. Yeah, something had to come. Definitely. It was like, what direction do I go in? So like a year later, I approached Karen. It's like, you remember that idea you had? Like, (laughs) we should definitely do it now. So it was like almost a time and place thing too. Because it wasn't like, oh, idea kind of enters my mind. And then next week I'm doing it. It No, it's like a whole year. A whole year went by before we even started to like work on it again. Or even like approach the idea and say like, we both want to do this. Um, At that time, like we were both like fully busy with work, me doing street etiquette client stuff. So I had to free myself up from that as well to even start that. So yeah, it it took like a year. So even though the idea was there, it took a full year to like make it come to life. For you personally, do you feel as though there are people trying to come into the space right now? Like maybe latch onto what you're doing because it's a potential marketing play. Yeah, absolutely. And how how do you sift out what is like, truthful, authentic, and what it's like, hey, you know what? You know, this is like the right topic to talk about now. Let me find someone that's doing it authentically and let me latch on to that. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good question because this morning I saw an article of another company that was like, yeah, now we're doing diversity. And, and I was just like, uh, they're already a big stock photography. I think it was like Pexels or, Pix, or whatever the case 500 is. 500 Pixels? No, mm-hmm. not 500 PX. Yeah. Um, it's like P-E-X-E-L-S or whatever the case is. And I was like, that's cool. But again, like it's, their platform is already one way and they're trying to add on to something that is not organic or authentic to them. And like, it just, it just reads wrong. Like I get like the heart of it and it's great that you're doing it, but sometimes it takes like, let's collaborate with somebody in a space that's like really doing it and living it in that way. But I guess it's business, it's numbers and it's sales and people are like, you know, if this is a big marketing opportunity, I don't want to lose it to tonal. So let's get on that. So I think we're kind of, like bigger than just like diversity inclusion and in, in in those markets, I think we're also like reforming the business end of it. So on our site presently, there's three tiers. You could come and get a tier one subscription or tier yeah. two or tier three, depending on like how many photos you want yeah. and what your company is looking for. But it's also like an enterprise deal um, aspect of it, which we worked with Google and Chromebooks yeah. with and stuff like that, where it's just yeah, like, amazing. thank you. It is just more so like, they're like, well, we could get a subscription, but we want this to be more meaningful. Yeah. Like how can we extract like the main ideas and the main themes of Tonal and what we're looking for as a technology company and like opening that up, you yeah. know? Do you feel as though like a lot of these companies actually have like an altruistic mission they want to fulfill? It's just that they don't know how to do it. And now that you have something tangible, like Tonal to me is something that's, familiar like stock photography as an industry is familiar so yeah. now it feels as though like you know not to not to shit on these brands no, but no, i feel no. like there's a sense of like okay now i know how i can work with them yeah that's kind of what i feel seems to be the play like i'm not saying that i'm skeptical i'm just curious like i'm sure some people are doing it for the wrong reasons and you're probably able to sift out what's real and what's not yeah but you know no, it's true i mean it's i mean I'm pretty sure in corporate America, like some people are tired of hearing diversity, inclusion, and, you know, depending on who they are, whether it's feelings of white guilt or whatever it is, like, you know, it's just really being able to come to terms with something that's like truthful for somebody. Like this is a reality for somebody. So sometimes it takes being uncomfortable in order to get to that next step. And I think with the market in general, tonal, we're just we're really trying to do things differently. So even if people are approaching us and they're looking for one thing, like, hey, we just need a, like DNI. That's what they keep calling now, DNI, DNI, diversity and inclusion. I didn't even know there's a whole market and whole like structure to it. But they're like, yeah, we're just looking for DNI influencers. So they even taking that same like, cool. like it's like it cheapens it. Kinda. I know it cheapens like, the whole thing. Is at least it, spell it out properly. Yeah, you know, at least spell it out. I know. Like, yeah. Looking for DNI influencers to yeah. speak on you know race and culture and gender and sexuality yeah. and all this stuff. And it's like it's so funny. Like even an influencer market has been like engraved in like people's life like yeah. people's like day-to-day life and how they feel which is crazy yeah. but yeah it's like, insane. like what role do you think tonal plays in like offering a service versus mm-hmm. having maybe like a philosophy behind it where i want to educate everybody mm-hmm. like you know like is it a service for someone that's looking for stock photography versus a platform to educate i think it's a know? little bit of both because yeah. we do have like a narrative section with when companies approach us like google and facebook and they're just like we love the storytelling aspect of what you guys are doing. And we really try to nail in this story over stock aspect. Like if we could rebrand stock photography, we would like a story photography or whatever the case is. But I think people think stock and they just think the lowest grade of like photo or visual. And the reality is really not. So 
we're really trying to like build against that and like build an alternative for that. So it's, we play in both. Like we know we're educating people as well as like showing that there is a service and product for like all this conversation about, you know, Black Lives Matter or, or like just racial conversation. And I mean, there's like Me Too movements. There's so much things that's happening, but it's like, at least for us, we want to be like the image standard of like all these topics that are going on. Cause you have these topics, but there's like no images to like add on to them other than like social media yeah. stuff, maybe. So when you're going through the process of like accepting submissions for Tonal, what is kind of going on through your guys' mind or like what's the standard that you guys set? Um, I mean, right now we have three photographers. So we don't, we look at everybody's emails that send us photos, but we're really, really selective about like who we let submit onto the platform. Like they pretty much become a part of the team and kind of get a rundown of like how we've been doing things and why we're selecting them and what they bring individually to the team as well. So it's, it's way more of like a communal aspect than like send us your best 30 photos when we put them up. And like, like we're really trying to avoid that right now is at least come at, come at it from a qualitative measure. Maybe in the future, you know, when there's investors and this and that, like that may change. But as of right now, we're like, let's keep the boat small and like being flexible in how we can move. So we look, I mean, but at least like for the, the photos that we get from our photographers, we look for a sense of like life in their photos, something that feels like lively, even if it's, you know, emotional or emotive in ways or mood or stuff like that. But it's really, for me, even as a photographer, like I have to know the difference from when I'm shooting Adidas stuff and, and, and compared to when I'm shooting for like tone section of tonal, there's just a different like mood and edit and all this. Like I really had to like make a, a difference when it comes to like even the photos that are on tonal. Cause I don't want it to feel exactly like what we're providing for like, Adidas or any other sport client yeah. or whatever the case How is. How hard so is that? It's a little bit hard, but I know exactly what I, I know exactly what I like to shoot. Like as Joshua, cause he's like, oh, this is my stuff. But also know what's good for Tonal, but also know what will be good for like a striatic project. Um, at first it was hard to like have the difference, the line of difference. Cause like a photo is a photo to somebody, but I guess how you edit it, whether it's warm or there's, it's cold, the shadows, the highlights, the contrast, like all that goes into how that's communicated. So I make like a, a really good effort on like making a difference between all those different elements. When it comes to that sort of whole process of building Tono, what are the things that you've deemed to be the most challenging? Because it is a new space. <laughs> yeah, right? like, it's a new space, yeah. I think like not just being a part of the trend. And like right now there's a- How obvious. easy or hard is it to not be influenced by trends in- for you personally? On some level, I want to be influenced by it because like, again, like it gives you some common vocab to connect with a, a larger audience. And sometimes you just need that. And I appreciate that. I'm not going to act like I'm just in this niche place and like I'm just surviving on my own DNA. Like, you know what I mean? So if you understand trends, you're saying that you can more easily kind of touch people. Absolutely. They understand it. I think like, especially with Tonal, it's, it's, it's more about like, how can we make this inclusive and, and global as possible? So- we're not trying to just stay in this corner and chill out. Like, no, we're trying to be the loudest in the room if possible in a, in a way that we would. And following trends in some ways is beneficial to that. Like, it's not all bad. It's just like, what do you, what's the next step after that? Like, is that a stepping stone or is that the place that you stay? Have you had to set up Tonal from a business standpoint differently than obviously how you've done in the past? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's been, there's been so much difference because, I mean- started Striaticate or any, like there was no real business acumen to that. It was just like, we're going to do what we're getting from the market and just go about it that way. So it wasn't like, yeah, here's like, you know, the best ways to set up a business. Here's the scope of work. Here's like our, our five, five-year plan. Like we didn't have any of that. Like we just literally just what, what how we feel, felt and just built a business model off of that. Um, with Tonal, like, Karen's even, she has a background in sales and she's like a serial entrepreneur. She has like 19 companies just nice. being so Nigerian and stuff. Like, <laughs> she has so many companies, but like she came at the table and was like, okay, let's meet. And she just literally had a whole mood board and, and a whole like whiteboard of like accomplishments for the year, how much we want to make, what that would be. And it was just like, yo, like there was great challenge for me coming from more creative background, left brain person to think on that business level of like, like not, not that money is everything, but when you have that resource, how do you 
best take advantage of that and help empower other people, including yourself, family, friends. Because in many ways, it's like she provides a structure that allows you to do your creative Absolutely. Thing and that Absolutely. kind of allows you to move forward more directly, right? Absolutely. I think, yeah, she definitely relieves a lot of that because we both collaborate on pieces, but it's like, you know, I won't step in her sandbox and be like, this is what you need to do. Like, there's a trust there. And I think that's like important for the friendship and the business as well. It's like, I trust you to do this. Like, she never look at my photos or look at anybody else's photos or my creative direction or suggesting, like, I don't know about, like, she totally trusts like that. Like, this is your space. This is your domain. The same way I do when she talks about sales and marketing. Yeah. Seeing what you've done with Street Etiquette and now Tonal, what are the differences and similarities? Um, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I think the difference between Striatic and Tonal is like Striatic is a revolving door and no finish line to like what we want to do. Like, you know, in a sense, um, with Tonal, like there is like a product at hand and it, and there's like a pressure to scale the company as well as grow the company with Striatic. Like we don't have, like it's between myself and Travis. So it's like, that's the revolving door that people are familiar with. Those are the personalities that they're familiar with. So it's easier. But with Tonal, like we're expected to grow a company. We're expected to grow a sales side, uh, a graphic and design side. Like there's all these different things that I never really thought about with Strategate because it was just like, as long as we could show up, like that was half the job. Do do you think that the two fundamental topics they tackle are... Oh yeah, have a different sort of meaning? Like is one more important than the other? Is like Um, what Tonal is trying to achieve more important than... Street etiquette. Um, that's a really good question. Are you going? Are you, I don't think it's necessarily more important. Um, but I think it's more it's more appropriate in a time because like what street etiquette did back in two thousand eight, there was like nothing else going on back then like that, and the editorials that we produced. Um, so with tonal, is this like the perfect timing? So like they both kind of serve the same purpose, but in a different way. And sometimes to the same people, but also to different people. Um, somebody be more into lifestyle and fashion and culture. And that's one thing, but there's still elements of that that live in tonal. So those people could still grasp onto something and not feel like it's a totally different thing, at least like ideology wise. But it's all about visibility and being seen and not just being seen, but like being heard, being touched. Like you just want that um, in a lot of ways. So we try to accomplish that through our photography and tonal. Yeah, visibility, I think is a big thing because at the end of the day, it's like, we, everything sort of culminated in media going a certain direction where there's probably an unequal distribution of attention on certain things, which meant that like, there's a lot of stuff that there's just no room to talk about anymore because something else is dominating the airwaves. So like, how do you create your own structure? And like, that's kind of how I've perceived whether it's street etiquette, whether it's tonal, like it's creating its own pathway really. Right. And one thing is that a lot of you, a lot of people you mentioned, they were like, oh, this makes total sense. Right. So what were they using before and how does tonal affect the work they create or the ability to communicate? That's a great question. I mean, I think people were using, you know, Getty and Shutterstock and and I forgot there's one more, well, Adobe Stock as well, um, who've all reached out to us before we launched. Like this is, we had like a whole three, four month launch period. And yeah. a lot of those companies reached out to us just out of like, hey, we, we love what you guys are doing. And some, some of them said like, hey, we love this. We know we can't accomplish it as nuanced and as like particularly as you guys. Do you want to work together? Is there any like relationships we could build? And and a lot of times we're like, oh, damn, like that's crazy. Like we never thought a year ago that these big, you know, million dollar companies would be reaching out to us before we launch, before they even see a photo of what it's like. So that was really, really interesting to see. But I think a lot of the people that have subscriptions to Tonal, are looking for the nuances and stories, are looking for like the gray area and stories. With Tonal, it does that. Like it doesn't just, it's not just as polarizing as like, there's a lack of black people, let's just give you a bunch of, bunch of black people. Like there's stories there, there's narratives, there's like, there's different layers to blackness, to brownness, to like, so it, like a lot of the biggest companies just don't go into that, they can't. So I think it was like Eva Longoria's foundation was looking for like a particular Latino woman Afro-Latino, blah, blah, blah. And we had that. And she was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Like sometimes we go on sites and you just don't know what the background of the person. Or I'm like, no, this this girl is Dominican. She's from New York, Afro-Latina. Like that's what, you, like this is it. So the stories go even more nuances and details to give off the right narrative. And I think a lot of people are looking for like truth in their work and what they do. And people don't want to waste time on the nonsense no more, yeah. 
I think over the course of, you know, whether it's street etiquette or tonal, there seems to be a very clear like vision and direction. Like, like have you always sort of known roughly that I need to do something and this is what the guiding principle is? Yeah, yes and no. I think in the last five years, I've become more intentional about it. What do you think changed? I mean, just maturity, maturity. adulthood. Um, my life has changed, like relationships, having a fiance, future wife, family, um, spirituality, like all these different elements that just add on to who I am. It just made me more intentional about being present as best as I can and not just going with the wind and being like, no, this is what needs to happen. Here's the vision. Like, this is the position I play within all this. And like, how do I fully take advantage of that? And not just for me, but empower other people as well. What's interesting, there's like a group of creatives yeah. that are extremely spiritual. And like, how does that play into the work you create? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, it, I think it, it, like, it, I haven't really been monitoring, but you, maybe you've seen it more. Like, do you think if something's changed or it's more visible now? I think people are just being themselves. I think, I, I mean, at least for me personally, like it's not something I, I put at the forefront, especially mm. with Striatica. There was no space or like appetite for that. Um, but I think it was a common thread throughout all the work, but. Um, there was no real space to talk about spirituality or relationship or, I mean, not relationship, religion or anything like that. But that's a big part of who I am. I'm not sure for like other creatives, how that comes into play. But my dad is a pastor. I grew up in a church. I played instruments with my siblings. Like it was very much like a, a an impactful part of my whole childhood. I mean, in many ways, it just made me understand people and relationships like having a relationship with God is like having a relationship with anybody else, like how you build that, you know, the trust factor, you know, supporting each other, loving each other openly. And I think now people are more, people are more comfortable to be truthful in their voice about that rather than feeling like, and it could, and not, it doesn't just have to be spirituality. I think people are just truthful about all elements of their lives now and, and living that out instead of feeling like they have to be like a closeted, you know, expression when it comes to these very things that are important to them. For me, it's like, yeah, I'm going to share a Bible verse on Instagram stories. Yeah. The thing is like on street etiquette, like having that social media platform, I couldn't do that like that. Cause I was like, well, this doesn't really represent the whole company. It's yeah. just more so like me, yeah. you know, having this connection and, and this drive to do that. So now people on like Joshua Kissy platform, they expect some of those things. And people write long, long, long emails and messages about, you know, spirituality awesome. and God and stuff like that. Yeah, which, just have that connection with yeah, people. Just, just, yeah, just to have another added, like that's yeah. not creativity, that's not, you know, photography or fashion or clothes. It's just more so like life. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the most important things. Yeah. yeah. One thing you mentioned was like a sense of maturity that sort of defined your, your career arc. Is there some part of that will make you maybe less relevant to the younger generation because you're no longer speaking on the same terms yeah. as them. Yeah. And like, what, what does that look and feel like? I think it's really interesting because again, I was, I was speaking to somebody about this because the whole Virgil Abloh, Louis Vuitton thing. And I was like, that's amazing. Much props to him. Such an amazing like impact to have that position. But at the same time, I'm like, this, this, the way he's built his brand is so meticulous, like super meticulous. Like, he has a wife and kids, but you never see that. You never, like, you, people are like, wait, wait, Virgil's, I'm like, yo, the guy has a wife and a kid, like, or kids, plural, and in Chicago, like, I'm pretty sure he's living a full life with them as well, and that goes into some sort of his work, but you never see that. And I think that's for a reason, because most of the people that follow him are like 14 to like 23 or whatever the case is, and they're not, they're not even concerned with those type of things. But for me, as I'm like, my engagement was very public, my my marriage will be, my kids, like these are all things that are part of me. I don't want to hide yeah, that. Yeah. Like these are things that influence me and make me the person I am. Like I could, not saying it's bad that he does, but it just shows that he understands his market and audience. For me, I do as well. And I know that it's not just 14 to like 22 year olds that follow me, but people who are also older than me, who's kind of laid down a certain lifestyle and path. And like, I'm influenced by those family values and making that influence your work. Do you think at some point in time, or do you feel like you're, you're crossing over from like the path of being mentored to her and you become the mentor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cause I think that's the one interesting sort of switch that occurs when, you know, you've, you've kind of gone and developed yourself in, in a, in a career path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This, like this, somewhere, somewhere along the lines, you, there's also a sense of like being the angry old guy on the rocker that like, <laughs> you know, get off my lawn type shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I definitely want to, turn into that. Like I always want to be able to understand 
like some sort of youth. I mean, I'm always going to have some sort of like youthful idea or at least like perspective about me. And that's just the curiosity of it. And I think that's just what always kept me creating is the curiosity. Like, what if this, what if that, and like totally approaching that. And I think now that people more, I I mean, I just got a tweet the other day, like, can you mentor me? Like how many retweets would it take? Like, (laughs) and I was just like, it'll take five. I was just like, say whatever the low number, because I'm just letting them know that it's, it's not even as serious as well. Because I mean, of course, like, you know, growing up with my mom and dad, like there's certain things they've instilled me, but at least in the creative realm, like I just started to try to get a mentor like a year ago, a year or two ago. Like I've never really like, even had anybody to have that. It was just like my peers, like Clayon, you know what I mean? And play, like, it was just like people I'll just, it was more so people I saw as equals, not that they were higher or anything else like that. But once I got into like tonal and like diversity and inclusion and marketing and advertising and like more technology, like, yeah, I sought out for people that were like me, but had a wealth of knowledge when it came to those industries. So I was like, can you just walk me through this or so walk you, me through you that? you think that the, the early part of your sort of developing yourself was just purely based on like curiosity yeah, and, absolutely. and kind of figuring absolutely. things out on your own? Absolutely. And now I was like, I'm still a student. Like I could be a teacher to some people, but I'm still a student as yeah, well yeah. in a lot of ways. And I don't want to think like I'm just a teacher and like kids need to learn this and learn that. Like I'm still going to make mistakes, you know? And yeah, I think that's the important part of life in general. Yeah. What do you think are the pathways to creating a more equal environment? And when you say equal environment, you mean just like, like a more equal culture. In, 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 in society, general, just yeah. society? Oh yeah, like, man. I think... I mean, that's probably a very loaded question, but like maybe <laughs> yeah. just like one one sort of idea that you have that you think is is not fully fleshed out and applied. Um, wow. That's, I mean, yeah, that's a great question. I think tonal on a product end is a part of that. But it's all the small pieces and nuances that like grievance people and, and make people feel uncomfortable and make people feel like they can't be themselves in so a lot of ways. Addressing oh, yeah, absolutely. You have to address all. everything on the table. Maybe it's just me on the type to like, in order to see what the next step is, sometimes I have to flip the whole table just to make sure to see what's there after the whole chaos and be like, all right, so that was true food. This wasn't, but I got to go through this whole strenuous mental process to like figure that out. That's just me. I'm not sure how everybody else is, but I know like the truth is the truth. Like there's, there's, I mean, I don't want to, I'm mean, just going to like super history book mode, but I'm like, there's a certain, like I'm trying to avoid that, but like the way the world is today is for a reason has been depicted from a, a certain perspective and a certain story has been told. So I think the more and more we have these diverse stories or like robust stories, like more and more people can see themselves and at least just aware that this is an issue. I think more and more people haven't really like even committed to that idea that like, yo, some people are, some people are here and don't have the opportunity to live the best life or live the fullest life based on their race, sexuality, gender. Like, like now we're just in this moment of truth. Like, let's just find as much truth as possible. We're out and out, everybody type of thing. And I mean, a lot of it is on like, you know, media and just don't want to sell like clickbait and all that stuff. But there's like truthful stories and people who are really, really hurt and trying to find themselves within all of that. So I think tonal is the first step when it comes to just visuals and images and walking people through that. Um, But there's many other things that need to happen between like, you know, journalism in general and being neutral and not, you know, and just just so much like that's going on right now. One thing that I've always tried to understand, like I'm, it's still something I'm trying to learn too, is like growing up in Canada, like the the sort of racial divide was was definitely not as apparent and wasn't reinforced. So like from your perspective, is there a need to like sort of divide up things in the sense that like, hey, well, like let's look at, at look let's look at, it at racial lines. Like, hey, like this is what we can do to help <laughs> black people, Hispanics, yeah. Asians. Or is it better to umbrella sort of cover it all as like, People of color. Yeah. yeah I, oh, wow. I mean, this, I think those intersections are very yeah. important. Like, are there nuances in each absolutely. solution, which I think is maybe you yeah, can, like, ab- touch upon? Absolutely. I think on every level that there, there has to be nuances. It just goes for the whole Black Lives Matter movement. I remember when it first came out, when it first broke, people were like mad at it because there wasn't like an apparent leader. There wasn't like no structure to it. People were like, so what is this? Like, it's not as like direct as like... Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, civil rights movement, here it is. Malcolm, like Black Lives Matter has been able to be this like fluid thing that happens from community to community because they understand what happens in London is not the same that happens in Brooklyn. That's not the same that happens in Johannesburg. And that goes on for like 
other racial ethnicities as well. It's just like, yo, like what Southeast Asian people go through in England may be different from what Afro-Caribbean people go through. And I think like all that stuff needs to be diagnosed from a certain perspective and a nuanced perspective to understand that like, yes, we're different, but that's the beautiful part of it. Like, you know what I mean? But there's like one thing that's kind of killing everybody is just structural racism. So like, how do you, like there may be degrees of it. You may be, you know, a brown person like from Bangladesh, but you still, you're dark enough to look blackish from a distance, but like you're still like of, you know, Southeast Asian descent. So you you get a, a gradient of it. But I think you knowing that there's a difference between you, an Afro-Caribbean person, and I don't know, like a white person, knowing all those different perspectives, I think it just further informs people's reality. Like that's what needs to happen. Like on all pages, I think it needs to get as detailed as possible. Yeah, yeah and like- your whole commentary, like based on everything you mentioned is like admirable because so many people look up to you. Like, was there ever a point in time when you had to come to grips with like holding that role? There's something you had to grow into because it's like pretty heavy shit, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's not something you can shit, just, yeah. like, you kind of need to be like aware and educated. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm always curious is like, I mean, you know, to be honest, like even from the forums, the street etiquette, to tonal, like it's all been the same topics. Like whether you talked about it super openly or there was, editorials like Black Ivy that touched on it, like all this stuff has social commentary to it. It's just whether you want to accept that or not and whether you want to dig in deep enough to that. But that's the part of art and creativity. That's the benefit of it. Like you don't have to show your painting and explain it. You know what I mean? But with Tonal, you know, we're showing a painting and we're explaining it. So it's just a different level. But I never felt pressure to be like, damn, now I need to speak on behalf of all people of color, all black males, or all African males. or all. Like I just live the life I want to live. And like, if people relate to that, that's amazing. If they don't, that's also great. At this part of the conversation, you can tell I'm struggling to articulate myself. The idea of racial divides is something I'm primarily familiar with only through secondhand experiences. The dialogue and the positioning is something I don't really know how to tackle. What I do want to know is, what does it mean specifically to be a Black creative today? And what are the potential opportunities available now when the landscape was seemingly closed off for their participation in the past? How do I, how do I like, how do I like word this? Like I'm, there's part of me that is curious, like, are we at a point in time where like, and I'm trying to say like, not necessarily that I think it'll offend you, yeah, but just no, how do no. I say it in a way that <laughs> no. like, it's kind of like- It's cool, man, what, Unoff- unoffendable. What does it mean right now to be like a black creative? And do you think that mm. the, you guys are it like black like black yeah. creatives are having a sort of like, how do you put this? Is like the opportunities bestowed upon you, like the attention is on you guys. Yeah, yeah does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even from like two, three years ago, I was like, oh my God, like the output of black creativity in the next, you know, decade is going to be amazing just because people are expecting it. And we might look at black creative as just like, you know, photographer, graphic design, writer, but there's also the directors, you know, like Barry Jenkins and and Ava DuVernay and Lena Waithe. And you could just keep, I mean, Jordan Peele, like all these people are telling stories. Like they're just telling stories from a perspective that they've lived their whole lives. And now people are actually interested in it in different ways. So it's like, right now is the time to like create in your truth, like whatever your struggle or otherness is or whatever you feel like needs to be at the forefront, like creating that. Like, and, and I think that's, and it's, yeah, it's just like a possibility and an opportunity for everybody to have a voice. And I think that's super important. Yeah, I feel like it was bubbling up but it feels like it's it's at a point now where it's you know there's there's a lot of attention being put on you guys and I'm and it's more like for me growing up in Canada like we were always so sensitive with that because it was not a thing gotcha so that's why like I'm always like overly sensitive about it gotcha but to that point like I'm always curious like you know I I always wonder about the corporate influence that comes in and that sees things and it's like for example are there moments in time right now where people are seeing this as being the the trendy thing? Like hip hop is obviously the dominant genre now. Yeah. How do we get involved in it? Like that's the thing I'm wondering. And it's like, if that is the reason for getting involved, is it okay? Because is it okay on the basis that they're bringing attention to this and the net positive results that come from it are like, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter whether their intentions are right or wrong. Like you're putting someone on. I think with hip hop being the dominant culture, I mean, that just means that 
black culture is pop culture on this yeah. level now. Like black yeah. culture is pop. Uh, people are avoiding that, but it's like, no, like hip hop is, yeah, an extension of so many other things, but like black culture is popular culture on the internet, popular culture on TV, sports, media. Like, so it's, it's all over. I think on every level, if you look at from like love and hip hop all the way down to like the most articulate think pieces that you could find or thought pieces you could find online, like all that stuff informs our reality. And I think all that stuff is necessary, you know, on, on some level. So like right now is the time to create, you know, and, and be comfortable with your blackness and your otherness. Cause it'll make you understand other people as well. Whether it's like, you know, from the Brown perspective, whether it's Southeast Asian, Indian, Pakistan or whatever, or like there's so much more stories out there that people need to know. And you see the effect of, Black Panther being like the highest yeah. grossing. It's just insane. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's how I always felt. Like, all of, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you put a budget and a story to something that has depth and is amazing and, and, and is able to be mainstream in a lot of ways and affect a lot of people in the highest. Like, Black Panther is a mainstream product, you know what I mean? And it's affected so many people, even though it has different, different tie ins for different people, whether you're a Marvel fan or whether you just love, you know, Africana studies or whatever the case is like there's so many different elements of like what that film has done I still think that film is going to be one of the most impactful films for like black culture black expression black creativity just because people know like on the highest level it could go there like my painting my article my sneaker or whatever it is like it could, on the highest level it could be in that arena of things like it's not just like reserved for film what did you think it'd be like to be like a quote-unquote professional creative and what has been the reality of it like what has what do you think 15 year old joshua was thinking 15 year old joshua kissy was thinking that it wasn't even thinking it was possible also thinking it wasn't possible but i was curious to see how far i'll go yeah like how far and what's the reality of that been uh the reality is that it's actually an obtainable career um and anybody could do it. I mean, given if you have the right relationships, knowledge, um, vision, and and I don't want to just like hard work is everything. Or I mean, there's cer- there's certain elements of timing and strategy as well. Like I'm a super. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really strategic on what I put out and why I put it out. And and because it's also it's a part of my life, but it's also a part of my career. And a lot of times, like those two things are like muddled in each other. So like if I'm working on future things, I mean, Cleon Gray's helping me on a book website, prints, like there's so many things I'm working on, but I'm like, I want to strategically release them as time goes on. Cause I don't want to just throw all the stuff out there just cause you know, how the internet is, it could just be in this one corner and nobody sees it. Not that nobody would see it. It's not even about the visibility part, but it's like my personal growth through these different elements um, that I want to be comfortable with when I put out and also a little bit uncomfortable cause that's a part of putting out new work or new projects or I was super nervous about tone. I'm like, damn, how's this going to go? Being in the fashion space for so long, like what are people going to think? And there was just so much support, like just so many emails, so many tweets, some people were like, yo, this needed to happen. This is the perfect growth for your career. And we're, I'm like, damn, I like, I really had a, a full career within this and it feels like the beginning still, which is scary because I'm 28, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I don't think every 28 year old is like, seen what I've seen but the thing is like everybody has their own timing somebody may at 48 see all these things and see more than I can at 48 so I just like grateful for the perspective I have yeah if you'd like to hear more stories like this one and more from the world of creative culture and beyond check them out at making.com that's m-a-e-k-n.com or search for us on your favorite podcast app 